Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. Presented by Mosing Motor Cars. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. We are live in Austin, Texas, and all three boys are in the studio. This Jonathan Green is back. (laughs) We have in his contract that that he he can't sing, but this this John Massingill, that was Les Kaiser. I I just sat on a drawing pin. (laughs) Well, we are pretty excited about tonight's show because we are getting closer and closer to Formula One, getting closer to all the motorsports. Let me run down what we got on the show tonight. We've got a young 18-year-old driver who's going to come on the show. We're, yeah, we're going youth today. Yeah, we're continuing our youth theme that we've been running on. So uh, Harry Gottsacker is going to be here at Circuit of the Americas in a few weeks for the Pirelli World Challenge. Oh, and he has a great ride in this. This is... Oh. Uh, he yeah. I'm so, so, so jealous. Living the dream. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to be on the show. And a lot of tonight is going to be about some Formula One stories. Obviously, with the test last week, oh, yeah. some big announcements from Liberty... Well, I say from Liberty that, that Liberty Media introduced into Formula One. So, and I got to tell you what Kevin Magnuson said about Coda. Oh yeah, that's what right. What he said. What he said. Yeah, what he said. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to talk Stick about around. that. We're going to talk about I'll that. Guide them. And and also, uh, our intern Matt Crisara was out at Phoenix for the test for IndyCar test a couple weeks ago, and we're going to get him on the line in a How few minutes. How did he get that gig? I don't know. I, don't, did, you know. I mean, I so you just see, walked up and said he's with Speed City. All right, so okay, fair enough. So I get to go to Melbourne, right? Yeah, there you go. We are going to put you on a plane. You didn't know that, did you? I didn't. Yeah. Well, you could, could you have told me that when I was in New Zealand? <laughs> yeah, it's one could. of those human-powered hang gliders, but you could have saved about there. 20 hours of flight there. No kidding. Uh, but, boys, I want to start with Formula One. We are getting so close. We had to to the race in Australia, but we had the, all the F1 teams in Barcelona in the snow and cold. And thank you to all the people that posted and tweeted at us about wouldn't this? Uh, wouldn't the F one test be a lot nicer in Austin than it would would have been in Barcelona? A lot more convenient. <laughs> uh, convenient to us. Hey, it didn't snow. Yeah, it didn't Actually, snow this whoa, week. Whoa, whoa, It would have been convenient to everybody in Formula One. Are you kidding? <laughs> it snowed. Hang I, on. Even Valtteri Bottas said, "It's the coldest I've ever been." He's, he's from Finland. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, no, that's bad. <laughs> when your Finn says it's too cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, like us saying it's too hot here in Texas. So F ones don't have heater in them. All right. <laughs> Well, you know, let's talk about that. The, the, why do they do it in Barcelona? Well, my guess is it's, you know, not that far from most of the factories. And you're, you know, you're, is, in, yeah. you're in development phase. You've got, let's say you've built this new suspension part and it didn't work like you want it. You run back to the factory, throw it on the, the CNC yeah. machine and re- redo it and bring it back the next day. To be honest, you're absolutely right. Um, obviously, Formula One is pretty much based in England and Italy. Um, if you want to be exact, uh, Germany, of course, is Austria as well. But let's face it, it's winter, it's cold. 
the further south they can go that isn't crazy south and the further south they can go without changing continents is yeah. probably Barcelona. Uh, and usually, uh, I mean, Valencia is where the MotoGP guys go. In fact, a launch, I've done launches for Formula One down at Valencia, but it's not an F1 track uh, per se. It's not used for F1. So, um, you know, it's just, it's the obvious place to go, but not this year because obviously it did snow. And, and I'm surprised actually, I think it was Williams and Force India who held out because they were talking about getting an extra day of, of testing because of the fact that the conditions were so bad that it really just wasn't worth testing, and which is a real shame. I quite like it because it kind of ups the ante on Australia because Australia is always a bit of a, you know, who's got what? Because the testing, yeah. you know, by the time you go to testing, you're still looking at stuff. And you yeah. saw all the bits and gadgets hanging off the cars and stuff. Well, that's why those tests are so important because you've got to hit the ground running at a really tough circuit in Australia where it's going to be hot um, and you've got to be right. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about those gadgets that hang off the car, right? You know those big metal grids yep. that, that hang off the side of the car? Barbecue. I was studying on those. And <clears throat> barbecue. Grid. They look like a barbecue grill, actually. They do, they do. But what those are, those are air pressure sensors is what they're pressure sensors. And we knew they were sensors, but they actually measure air pressure. So as the air flows around the car up to that point, obviously behind that it's all messed up, but up to that point, they measure the, 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 the pressure at each location around there. Yeah. So all the new aerodynamics on the front of the car. I mean, I knew this is what they did, but I didn't know what kind of sensor. Was it an airspeed sensor? But it's actually measuring the, the pressure of the air right there. So that's how. And then they map it. And imagine that big grid. They've probably got this huge computer simulation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, that's what those I mean, you, you guys have been talking about it, but that halo, um, as we continue to talk about it, has has really thrown the cat amongst the pigeons because it's a lot of weight. It's a big, big Massive aerodynamic arrow. piece of kit. You saw the ribs on the, uh, I think, was it the William? No, the Toro Rosso. Uh, everybody's looking for ways at how to 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 dissipate the air uh, around the halo for one, but also the side pods and so on and so forth. So, yeah, this is actually probably one of the most exciting New Year's for Formula One in a long time because there is a lot of change. Um, there are changes of engine, there are changes of chassis, there are changes of design, and more importantly, everybody's dealing with the same major, major problem, having to uh, equip the, the halo. Yeah. You know, one of the things, uh, we didn't get enough technical detail to answer this question, but I was wondering... How similar are the halos from car to car? Did they standardize them? That's you know, a good question. We know from an question. engineering I'm standpoint, I assume they are the same. But well, I mean, like, no. could you grab the one off Williams, go bolted on Toro Rosso? Yeah, I, I, that's a great. I can't believe I haven't looked that up. Well, you're there, right. There's bound to be some. I mean, to be honest, there's an can, engineering we, spec. You're going to say, yeah, you, you've got the, the rules are. I mean, basically, Formula One works on parameters. Um, so, in other words, if a new rule, it's like the height of the wing, rear wing, for example, and the fact that they've uh, banned the fins, if you notice, but that they've still got a sort of variation of a smaller fin now. So everybody's within parameters, and you've got to be with like you know within a mil millimeter of those parameters. So yes. They will be relatively standard, but perfect thing of Formula One is all about your own design. It's all about Nui versus, yeah. uh, you know, the other designers from Williams and anybody else. So, yeah, um, there is room there for, uh, and I think you will see actually that halo as it develops becoming more integrated in the car. I actually still yeah. think, I think we'll get rid of mirrors and I actually think we'll put um, a sensor in the middle of the halo just as they do with WEC. 
Yeah. If you remember watching Daytona, oh, yeah. you get that you get that sensor. We talked about it. Yep. Uh, and you'll just have a dial out or a readout. Little, it could either be button, could be a video screen, yeah. or it could be just an LED that says something you know something approaching on your right, red, green, yellow. You know, as it gets closer. Um, but that could be another use of the halo. Yeah. And Les, I want you to talk about the the fact that the the visibility with the halo because there's nah. there's two tracks. Was it Magnuson? Was All talking right. about or yeah, was it Kevin Magnuson. Magnuson. Okay. Ed Haas had a comment. He said, you know, he finds the halo is still annoying. It's ugly. It's awkward and distracting. And so, you know, that's nothing new. Everybody said that. But now he's put some credence to this. He said it could cause problems at corners such as Old Rouge at uh, Spa. So imagine that. That's got some elevation coming up. When you come off that one straight, you're heading up a Rouge. It's uh, it's kind of a... Massive G-forces, top yeah. speed, foot on the floor. Right. Are you but saying they're going to have to have elevation. mirrors at the top of Turn 1 at Austin? <laughs> well... <laughs> that was the other one he brought up, is also Circle of America's turn one. He can see the same issue. You go, you have the elevation immediately into a turn. And yep. so his concern is you don't know what's happened up there if by chance that winds up in the same positioning that you cannot see what's happening at the top of that hill as you approach because of your halo. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I see that, but boy, we're talking minimal. I mean, how, how long <laughs> we're talking split seconds, surely. I mean, okay. less, less than a now, second. Wait, we talk about a hundred yards in, in yeah. a second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so the closing speed on that, he, he's got a very valid point. I bet they wind up, you know, uh, like I said, that is the most engineering based comment I've heard about why we don't like it or why somebody doesn't like it. And so I got to give kudos to him that uh, he actually came up with a good answer about a concern. So well, I bet they for, will wind up testing that from a visual because they can't arrive at Spa and go, uh, yeah. It's a very Kevin good point. Right. I, yeah, I can't imagine they haven't already run simulator tests though, right? Yeah, and, and yeah, you'd think they must have factored that in, surely. Yeah. For, but I will say this, for those haters that are out there saying this will never work and halos and this and that the other, it's an experiment. It's not. It's going to be across the board in single-seater racing from Formula 3, Formula 4, you name it. Formula racing, FIA, Formula racing will all have halos. You bet. Yep. And, well, I, and I totally appreciate where they're going with it, what, they're, what they are looking to address. And you know, certainly I, I wish it had happened a couple of years ago. All right, well, let's... I don't mind it. I've I got no problem. You know, life goes on and... Hey, yep. I've been. I had a halo. My mom gave me one when I was born. <laughs> I, it's. I've never had any view. I take it off occasionally when I go to bar. But but really, it's. It's never been a periphery thing. Where I've it's never been able to see out of it. It's never gotten in my view. I've got those little no, halo no. oranges. People see it. People box. see it. But yeah. uh, no. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to move on. We're going to talk about uh, what you know. What do we expect week two versus week one? Because. There's hopefully some more warmer weather. If there is some more war warmer weather, what, we might get tire testing. Will we see, Jonathan, you've been doing this forever and ever. What about, you know, we, I don't know how much, how many real performance runs we really saw, you know, because it's hard to say who's fast right now. It's too early, but week two, we should see some more. It's a, it's a double-edged sword testing because, like you say, weather and still trying to get the design right. Um, I guess what you should look for, and I'm looking at uh, adjusted lap times normalized for a soft compound tire. Right, which is actually a good way to start because once you, if once you get all the lap times with everybody on the same soft tire, then you've got a good way of comparing it because you go out and somebody's exactly. testing, like you say, somebody's got uh, a, a great barbecue, or, you know, uh, from side to side compared yeah. to Lewis on soft tires going for it is a bit different. So that's what I'm looking at, and I what I am taking away from it is Red Bull and Renault are right up there, as are Mercedes and Ferrari. 
Then come the factory team Renault. Uh, and there is, I mean, there's a second between those top four. And, but the good news is McLaren, fifth fastest. Like yeah. that. That, They're the, back. Yeah. Because the, they've got an engine that they the, want. The motorsport world will explode if McLaren is on the podium you the know, first week. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it just kind of sounds the same when you say explode and McLaren near each other. <laughs> oh! <laughs> hey, let's wish them luck. Speaking of McLaren, let's don't forget, they've got the Renault engine, which Red Bull used last year. To win. To win. Yes. They've won races with this engine, so Amen. You, you don't. You've taken. You've got the driver box ticked, <laughs> Fernando Alonso, right? So got it. You now have a, a race-winning engine in Renault. What do you think? Well, I, I do. I really do. I, I think that it's it's a really exciting prospect for McLaren, uh, and we hope to see them back to winning ways. And certainly, Alonso and everybody in the camp has just gone. Their 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 mood has changed dramatically, and they're saying they're having a much better relationship already with Renault. Uh, but on the other side of the coin, what I want to bring this one up is Cyril Adatabol. I never get his name right, but lovely man, the the man that runs Renault mm-hmm. uh, Formula One. We met with him. Um, He's now giving an ultimatum to Red Bull because they have a choice of possibly joining with their sister team, Toro Rosso, with Honda if Honda finally, and it will, I promise you, I've said it all along, comes good. So now, Cyril, we yeah. said that for nearly three years, Jonathan. Well, I'm going to argue with you on that. Uh, okay, it's going to come. Hey, Honda don't like being embarrassed. They're Japanese. They're the top manufacturer in the world of engines okay. and cars. A blind They're squirrel get finds it right. a nut. All right. All right, boys. Well, we got to take a break. But uh, He's given them till May to make a decision. Till May. Okay. Uh, let's not forget, this is the last chance to, this is their last chance to put cars on track before Australia next week. It is. At the race. So, I mean, at the test. So, all right, when we come back, we're going we're gonna to do a deep analysis of all nine levels of new for, uh, Pirelli tires for Formula One. Yeah. No, not really. I promise I'm not going to do that to you. But, yeah. but when we come back, we're going to have more, could. more Formula One talk. And Rubber we're and round, to, I think. We're going to talk a little uh, IndyCar with our, our intern, Matt Crossar. You're listening to Speed City Live in Austin, Texas, back after these messages. The Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MB Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MB Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Mosing Motor Cars is Texas's only authorized dealer for Superformance products. Superformance's Mark III is the only Cobra replica built under license from Carroll Shelby. There's no finer example of a Cobra around. Mosing and Superformance is your supplier for all the great race cars of history. The GT40, the Mark III Cobra, the Corvette Grand Sport, and the Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupe. Mosing Motor Cars, 2420 West Breaker Lane. Online at mosingmotorcars.com. Superformance and Mosing Motor Cars. Drive yourself happy. 
Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, don't matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Hi, I'm Andrea De Vistoso, and this is Speed to the City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. Speaking of Andrea Divisioso, we're going to... He, he speaks as fast as he rides. <laughs> <laughs> he does. We're going to talk a little MotoGP later in the show. Yes, good, so, good, good, good. So stick with us on that. For MotoGP. Hey, when we went to the break, right before we went to the break, I was talking about testing next week. Jonathan, you've got the schedule. Yeah, I do. Catalonia? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, you, well, of course, they've just done one test, uh, uh, which we mentioned was, was not snowed out, but uh, it, they didn't get as much testing as they wanted. But they've yep. got another one from March 6th to 9th, so literally next week. Uh, that and then it goes to in-season testing. Um, it's very limited testing these days, and that's why one these snow tests, day is I horrible. Mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but there is some in-season testing uh, in um, again Barcelona, May fifteenth and sixteenth, uh, and that'll be also July thirty-first and August first. This time at Budapest, and I think that's straight after the Budapest uh, race. So talk about the difference between those tests. Uh, well, of course, uh, you know, right now it's scramble, 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 get your car ready, we're going to Australia. And think about that, because you're going to Australia, you're going to Bahrain, you're going to China, you ain't going home for yeah. a long time. So whatever you put in that box, <laughs> whatever you put in that <laughs> container to go to Australia is pretty much where you where you get. Season phase two is what they call the traditional European season when everybody goes home and then they can work on the car. Now, okay, modern Formula One, they're working on them all the time, yeah, right. simulators and so on. But the bottom line is really you can't change a great deal on the road um, until you get back. So we get into Spain, um, the fourth, fifth rounds, and Monaco and so on. And by then, you know, that's why that May 15th, Monaco's end of May, uh, as is the Indy 500. So that test at Barcelona again in May is really the first time where everybody's home and they've gone, okay, we've seen it in action, we've done four races and we're dead last. What are we going to do? Okay, but I'm going to argue that they can't do anything away anymore. And that's because of where CNC lays and all this yep. has gone to is that really the engineer could be sitting there in the garage, look at it and go, hey, we need a couple more degrees out of this component. Pull up the drawings, go, okay, tweak that. I'm going to have the guys back home start milling that out and FedEx it to me tomorrow. See if that works out. And talking of, uh, yeah, modern-day Formula One, I'm sure it went without no not without notice, that a little Austin company by the name of Dell is on the McLaren car, and Dell, EMC, are working very carefully with Formula One for their big cloud, big stuff. You know, they do a lot of stuff. Big data. Yeah. Big data. Um, and they're well-known for it. Uh, and now they are emblazoned on the McLaren car. So watch this space. Little old Austin is, is very much... They were, of course, on the car at uh, a couple of years ago um, with Marussia or Caterham Marussia. Caterham, yeah, yeah. And so you know they've all, and they've been involved in Formula One and mud racing yeah, and, and, and this sort of I'm long time. I'd love to see them put now, it back on. It's good. Yeah. Hey guys, I want to talk about uh, speaking of American companies, Liberty Media. Yeah, the, the one of the effects that they've had this year, of course, is the the announcement of this week 
of the new over-the-top network. We don't have all the deals, the details yet. Why don't but, you explain what over-the-top looks like to somebody? Yeah, because okay. I, I so, was ask, being asked about it as well. So it's MotoGP's been doing it, and it's very simple, right? So they give the rights, for example, in the United States this year, you know that Formula One's not on NBC this year. It's on, uh, on ESPN. But that's going to be provided by Sky Sports. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, the coverage is going to be the British team on ESPN. Well, from directly from Formula One, you'll be able to go to their app or go to their website and buy your own coverage and and the the biggest thing about that is it, it will be unique it won't be the same commentators it will be on demand and you think well i've kind of got it on demand but it's going to be a little different too for example you're going to have the option for uh, live in-car camera choices of all the teams and you know we've seen similar to this to in indycar and other sports too right. graham talked graham rahal talked about having the visor cam exactly yeah. so essentially it just means that you buy your television coverage straight from the series from it's, the horse's mouth yeah yeah and straight from I, instead of getting it off of cable or, or any any you know any network there's an irony here uh the last time i worked for formula one directly actually no it was was uh f1 in movies but the one before that the iteration before that i was involved in the sky sports digital platform um with fom and with formula one and, and we did actually produced exactly what you're talking about um, a feed and a studio. We had guests. We had people like Damon. We had a, it was a very integrated show. But you, through your Sky coverage, you could then you could literally direct your own coverage. That's you could cool. go on board with any of the drivers. If you're a big Valtteri Bottas fan or a Lewis Hamilton, as I know you are, you can stick with Lewis the whole time. That's the sort of insight. Plus, if you want to go in, you know, if you want to be on the pit wall with uh, Christian Horner and you want to kind of hang out there, it, you know, it's it's like a really really in depth look, and you pay for it. But for the real rev heads, it's awesome. It's not bad. The prices, they've got two levels I saw. I think for the top level, they're calling it F1 TV Pro. I think it was $12 a month. Or you could do an annual. They haven't, I haven't released the annual price yet, I don't think. But, you know, you figure if it's $144 for a year, they're going to give you a better deal. So maybe 135 bucks or something And, and like by that. the way, I don't know how many of our listeners are, are aware of this, but you're about to get some of the best Formula One coverage um, that, that we've ever had. Um, we've got um, ESPN, as you mentioned, are doing uh, Sky Sports coverage. And Sky have nigh on 80 people at each race with yeah. world champions great commentary martin brandle crafty blah blah, blah. seriously doing bbc um bbc radio 5 live fantastic coverage there are all races um and then you've got this over the top channel so wow i mean you america especially is going to have finally a real labyrinth and choice of formula one coverage yeah it's really it's a huge change and i'm so excited about it. well guys i want to go and talk a little IndyCar because we've got Matt Crisara, who's our our cub reporter, as you put it, Jonathan. That's right. And he was out at the Phoenix test a couple of weeks ago. Matt, hey, buddy, how's it going? Good. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. No worries. You got to tell us, man, how was it out there? Oh, it was awesome. Um, just to be able to see the new 2018 cars in person was it was a great experience. Now, I'm, I'm particularly interested. As you know, I'm a big indie fan. Um, and the, the, the aero kits, that's the big gossip. And it started almost in the middle of the last season when people like Montoya and a few others were, were starting to test it. But it was kind of under wraps. Um, but everybody, am I right in saying, has now got the same aero kit. And they're looking pretty sleek, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, every team now will have the same aero kit. 
And how different are they from the look of, let's say, last year or the previous years? Um, well, one of the goals with the design concept was to produce a more lean and aggressive car. And I think they've accomplished that this year. Um, with a lot of the changes, um, one of the biggest goals was to make the racing more thrilling. And with taking away the beam wing and the wheel pods from the back of the car, uh, this year's car, it produces a lot more downforce from the floor. And because of that, it looks a lot more sleek. So what's that going to do, though, for the curbs? Those were some uh, on the road courses, for instance. Are they still going to have it at the speeds that they're involved in the curbs? It sounds great on a straightaway. Uh, yeah, actually. Um, so they'll have two different configurations for speedways, road courses, and short ovals, um, as usual. And the road course short oval um, aero kit has much more downforce than the speedway configuration. So they'll um, they'll still be able to have high amounts of downforce to get around those street courses and uh, compete. Well, what about what about passing? I, I know I read something about this, how this is going to bring the cars a little closer together and encourage passing a little mm-hmm. more. I mean, obviously, to me, that's the number one thing. If you want to make the, the racing more exciting, bring that to a higher level, easier to pass. Sorry, yeah, I, I lost you guys there for a minute, but yeah, um, one of the uh, one of the biggest improvements with the downforce coming from the floor is that cars will be able to follow a lot closer. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah that's, that's huge because it used to be a dirty air issue. Yeah, that they couldn't get up too close until you were actually ready to execute your pass and get around. Yeah, and actually, um, in fact, at the the Phoenix test, they did some testing for close running. And they found that with the new body kits, the uh, following distance in Phoenix was cut in half. Whoa. So it produced lots of great racing. And, That's uh, huge. That's brilliant. That's really yeah. good news, well, especially does... when you look towards the Indy 500 or Texas even. Well, that does exactly what oh, we we're yeah. talking about. Now you're going to get closer, and you don't have to, like, make a running start to come up and pass. That's It'll interesting. So what about, uh, I mean, you know, obviously you saw the runners and riders. Anybody, who would you pick out as, as being on the favorite for this year? Because obviously there's been a lot of changes um, in team-wise, and we've got some new teams. My buddies from Carlin, from Britain, Britain the British are coming. Um, who, who, who are you looking at as being the favorite? Uh, well, personally for me, um, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing looked very strong at the Phoenix Test. Uh, and either of their drivers, Takuma Sato or Graham Ray Hall, were... Uh, quickest of all in every session so my money's on them for the first race but i'll be curious to see when uh saint Pete comes you know it's it's interesting you pick that because sato kind of came of age with that indy 500 win last year and he's been i mean even though he's an older fella uh he's been waiting for his moment and he's got it and i think he's going to have a, a a bonsai season this year but i also think that graham rahal has been creeping up bit by bit um and um that's a banzai i'm oh. a banzai not bonsai that's a small tree <laughs> that's what I was, he's gonna have a small tree of a season <laughs> that's what i was motioning to lessons i've been looking after plants today get back off so graham ray hall though i think that he could be having a milkshake of a time out there <laughs> he, he could be like some big burger uh, all that's right, cheesy. Well, we're out of time, guys. Matt, thank you <laughs> in this segment, by the way. We're, thanks, Matt, for coming on, buddy. And uh, I know you're going to be Brilliant back out stuff, there for the, for the race, too, in, uh, in April. So uh, we'll check back with you on that as well. 
Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, see you soon. Great stuff, mate. All right, we're going to go ahead and go to break. And uh, when we come back, our shake and break. Our, our shake and break. Our first guest is going to come on. We have Harry Gottsacker, 18 year old Pearly World driver from San Antonio. Yeah. After the break, listen to Speed City live in Austin. Back after these messages. racetrack it's where legends are born where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance such are the nameplates you'll find at aston martin of austin lotus of austin bentley austin and rolls royce motorcars austin exotic iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride highway 183 north of mcneil road Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, don't matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it, we'll make you better. Hi, Brendan Hartley, this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. Go, Brendan! Go, Brendan Hartley. I am so excited yeah. for Brendan Hartley. I met his brother in New Zealand and his dad. And guess what? His dad told me that his brother is quicker. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, Brendan, I <laughs> think, turned the words. highest number of laps at testing. And is confident. That's cool. Very well, cool. Uh, speaking of young, exciting drivers, we've got a gentleman who's going to be right here in Austin, Texas on March 24th, 25th for the Pirelli World Challenge. Might be the new Brendan Hartley. Could be the new Brendan Hartley. <laughs> you never know. He's got a good win. race name. I like that. We want to welcome Harry Gottsacker to Speed City. Harry, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. good. Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. I actually just got back from... Uh, South Carolina, Savannah. Actually, I'm sorry, Savannah, Georgia, where we were testing the sin car, getting ready for St. Pete. Cool. Uh, yeah, next weekend, huh? Yes, sir. That's sort of God. You know, as a race, I mean, I know you're only a young racing driver, but I mean, it's got to be so exciting that first weekend when you're getting back. I mean, three months off, four months off, whatever it is, but just getting back and everybody's got something new, new liveries, new helmets, new cars. Everybody's doing something different. Uh, it's got to be exciting. Oh yeah, I mean. And and then St. Petersburg Street Race, like it's just even more a little bit exciting. You know what I mean? I just can't wait. Tons of new people coming into the GT4 class this year. Uh, just really looking forward to it. Really confident. Well, Harry, I want to I want you to get us up to speed on your career because we love to follow young race drivers, especially ones from right down the road in San Antonio. So, talk about your career and how you got to how you got started and how you got to where you are. All right, so. Uh, I was about 13 when I stepped into my junior dragster down at San Antonio <laughs> Speedway, not too far away We've been from there. that. <laughs> yep. Cool. Yeah, but, uh, you know, just kind of growing up around the Harley shop, my parents have always been racing something. They started off in legend cars before I was even born. 
And then I kind of just grew up around the NHRA scene, pro stock motorcycle and nitro Harley type stuff. And then I kind of just started driving go-karts in the back of the Harley shop, you know, and then it developed into just more every year. And my first national go-kart race just happened to be in Vegas. Super Nationals was just really throwing me into the wolves. But I don't know. It's just kind of been that style since then. We did that. We did uh, CIK, FIA uh, World Championships over in Sarno, Italy, which was a really eye-opening experience. And then we uh, started doing a little bit of stuff with uh, the Chases and Performance Motorsports Group with uh, the Red Bull GRC car and a little bit of Genetta's. But a couple years after that, we went to – England and we ran with Janetta and their GT3 program, which was pretty sweet. But now this season, I just really get to commit to a full season. You know, we've been hopping around so much. I'm just really excited to get with John Marachi and the Racers Edge group in the Sin R1 and just focus down. You know what I mean? That's kind of cool. Tell us about uh, the, the setup there then. <coughs> uh, pardon me? Tell me about your setup for this, for this next weekend, for this season. Oh, so... We're running a single driver program. Uh, <clears throat> some of the other drivers have to run teammates and stuff, but we get to run just one driver for this year. We're going to be hopefully have a teammate for Coda. We don't know yet, but just looking forward to St. Petersburg, really just kind of not, not we're trying not to worry about other stuff too much. One yeah. race at a time. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, but, let me, I got one question. I, I've just come back from New Zealand where I've been doing the Toyota racing series with single seaters. And, and I'm guessing that given your kart background, you probably raced against some of the up and coming um, single seater guys of the current era. Um, I mean, maybe if you know any, you know, that have gone on, but why, why did you choose not to go that route? Because the karting thing, the, the next option, obvious step would be to continuing in single seaters yeah well honestly in my opinion not for long term i mean we were able to kind of get by on our own at first in the sports car ring but there's just so much opportunity and manufacturers out there just looking for drivers and just tons of people like the gt4 class is a great example for this season just tons of new entries and everything it's just i feel like it's blowing up a lot more than the single seaters uh, scene is currently well and i've seen how people like madison snow uh, you know have have gone you know they get in a porsche and they never look back and and we've seen what earl bamber has done he's a good example um you know i, I think you're absolutely right i'm glad you answered the question uh, the way i thought you might because um you're absolutely right uh, at 18 the world is your oyster uh, uh, pippo durani is another guy i know well who started off in single seasons thought he was going that way and now of course his career has taken a completely different direction uh, it's one day Turner and Lamar and everything else, and he's he's going fine. And I, I really do think that for young drivers, this sort of obsession with either looking at Indy or F1 as being the only outlet is it, not really the case anymore. And, and I think sports car racing and its return to the heydays has really really um, given you guys an opportunity. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And just <clears throat> tons of great competition out in the field these days as well. You know, Harry, I gotta ask. I I grew up around the motorcycles too, but one of the things I, when we were hanging out after one of club sport events, turned out most of the competitive drivers that I was up against all had motorcycle history in their background growing up. Uh, did that? You think that contributed to your success in coming into this? Uh, I mean, definitely my mindset, just kind of hanging out with that kind of crowd. I mean, just never really giving up and always staying on top of things. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I always feel like the motorcycle... driving anything, ride anything, that kind of attitude, I guess. I always feel like the motorcycle, the criticality of making a turn correctly in the apex and watching traffic up ahead is, is 10 times what I feel like it is in a sports car. And I always feel like if you're in tune to that level of criticality, the sports cars are then much easier. And you know where the G is going to be the strongest and things like that. And uh, like I said, when we were sitting around one night after it and all the top runners, we all had a motorcycle background. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, I mean, I totally agree with you. There's no room for mistakes in that sport specifically. Well, Harry, I want to ask you about coming to Circuit of the Americas uh, for the when the Pearly World Challenge comes next month or this month, I should say. It's now March, so just in a couple three weeks from now, on the twenty fourth, twenty fifth. How much time have you got to spend at Circuit of the Americas, and and you know what are you looking for, and what do you think of when you think of coming here? Just really great racing. I mean, I love the track layout. I've actually been there quite a few times over the last couple of years. We ran in the IMSA category GTD Porsche one time, which was a really cool experience. And then we've also raced there last year with Janetta, and I qualified on the pole. But I really just love that whole scene and the track itself. There's tons of great spots to pass and overtake. And it's just, I don't know, it kind of evens out the whole ball field, and especially Coda being my home track. It's just a different feeling having, like, the whole family out there repping my colors, sporting me. It's really fun. Yeah, I'll bet. And will the family be coming to Dakota? Oh, for sure. All right, I, I got to ask one thing. So I, I know the San Antonio area pretty well. Which high school? Alamo Heights. Alamo Heights. Can you imagine? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, good one there. <laughs> so can you imagine going to high school? Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, oh Harry, I'm, I'm, you know, going off, going to zip around in the new Porsche race car. <laughs> Come back. I love the swagger I would have walking back to school Monday. So, well, yeah, what do you drive around the streets of the Alamo? Oh, I drive a 2015 V6 Mustang, silver. Good boy. I washed almost every single day. Okay. What year is it? 2015. Nice. All righty. Like I said, 2015, that's what, about three? That's the 305 Yeah. Yep. Yes, sir. That's very nice. I like it. Uh, we're going to ask Thank you because we've been talking Formula One. We've been talking Indy. Uh, who do you like this season in, in, in any of the uh, big categories of motor racing, NASCAR, Indy, Formula One, you name it? Oh, I'm a big Kimi Raikkonen fan. All right. <clears throat> well, is he going to keep I'm his also... job? <laughs> Pardon me? Is he going to keep his job? I hope so. He's just not. He's just not been on it, though, has he? He hasn't been, I don't know, he's just not been Kimi. He hasn't got yeah, this yet lately. <laughs> Hopefully it changes this season. You never know. Yeah, I hope so too because I like Kimmy. It's one of the things I'm looking forward to for 2018 more than anything is Kimmy Raikkonen back on the radio. Yeah, you're back on the radio. Oh, yeah. And, we can, yeah, and Liberty just listen to it again, which is great. Yeah, you're going to have to learn your radio communication style from Kimi Raikkonen. The, the fewer the words, the better. I was going to say, hey, this is a, Harry, do you do you use the radio? Do you like the radio? Do you kind of – does it off-putting if your engineer is going, hey <laughs> – I mean, if the engineer's giving me good information, it's definitely helpful, but sometimes they can talk too much, and you got to kind of tell them to shut up every once in a while. But <laughs> he is like Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> hey, shut up. I got this. Well, we'll call you from the commentating booth out there and uh, check in with you about six laps. Hey, in. Harry, you got this? 
<laughs> All right. Well, Harry, we're about out of time. Harry Gottsacker, thank you for coming on Speed City. We're going to be watching your career. Good old yes, Texas boy from right down the road a piece. We're really appreciate G- you coming on. Giving you social. Giving yeah, social. Any, what, any, give us your social. Give us your car number and your social and whatever. I mean, not your social security. Your social <laughs> media <laughs> places to find you. Awesome. Yeah, it's just Harry Gottsacker on Instagram or Facebook. And uh, a car number 69, the red Spin R1 GT4. It's pretty easy to spot. It's one of two that's going to be in the field this season. 69 when it's in the gravel trap and the other way up, too. I like that. <laughs> nah, Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Harry, thanks for coming on the show. We'll talk to you soon. And the best of luck. Awesome. Thank you all very much. Have good luck, buddy. You bet. All righty. That's yeah. awesome. Right down Young the road coming from San Antonio. San Antonio was there today. That's how close it is. That's hometown. Here. That was pretty unfair, but that I, that was always a favorite button motorcycle number. We used to joke about that. Yeah. Once he was upside it down in the, the ground. Like, well, they, they knew which bike it was. Is it 96 or 6? No, it's 69. <laughs> I said that about the uh, better driver uh, for the L7 Legends car. I said, is that so it's the same when you're upside down? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what a good guy. I like him. Yeah. Uh, Harry's let's like follow nice him. Harry. Harry's got, got a great sucker. trajectory. On this, uh, I like it. Uh, personal guy, it's, it's, yeah. this is good. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little more Formula One and some MotoGP as well. Yeah, let's do two wheels. All right, stay tuned. Listen to Speed City in Austin. Back after these messages. The Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MB Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MB Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Bozick Motor Cars is Central Texas's source for classic performance cars. British, German, Italian, Japanese, and American. Ready for that special car you've always dreamed of? Bozing has you covered. Looking to sell a classic? Let Mosing handle all the details and get that special vehicle in the hands of the right buyer. Visit the showroom at 2420 Westbreaker Lane or call 512-821-9491 or browse the garage online at MosingMotorCars.com. Mosing Motor Cars. Drive yourself happy. Listen to your favorite shows. Keep up with the latest breaking news and more anytime at Talk1370.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Alexis Tajoria, driver of the Tequila Patron Toyota Camry Nitro Funny Car. This is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. Hey, you know, we just heard that dragster that... Uh, there's fi- nothing funny about that. You know, running 330 <laughs> miles an hour down the track. I, You know, this uh, Harry Gottsacker from San Antonio just said he raced down That's at... That, he, started. he got started down there. Well, well, he ran the junior dragsters. Yeah. 
Well, what I was saying, what I was about to say is that that racetrack, that drag strip, I was the very first person to ever run down that track officially. They had testing officially. <laughs> that me and SW from Elite Motorsports lined up in our ZR1s and raced that down that when track. When they were new, yeah. Yeah. I actually beat him. Because you know SW, yeah. he just he's you never he, you never beat him. But I got lucky because Not he for long. he just blew up the tires and he just let me go. He probably could with his car. He probably could have caught me at the end of the at the quarter mile anyway. Right. But yeah, that was you bet. And that's a great track. You know, they've it's gone through the roller coaster that a lot of the drag strips go through. But uh, it is back in business. Uh, they reopened this past sum- summer, and uh, from what I hear, they're going to be okay for a while. Well, let's hope so. All right, let's talk some Formula One. We talked a little bit about, a lot about Formula One at the beginning of the show, but I want to talk some more because, I mean, look, it's 2018. We're about to get started. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about what all is, the, the big things that change in, in Formula One this year. And one of the biggest is, is that we only have three power units for yeah. the season. And for, for each team, or each car for the season. And so we're down from four. I mean, we had grid penalties last year. Imagine what it's going to have to be like. So I don't expect a huge bump in power because these guys are focused on reliability. I don't expect to see cars pushing the ragged edge of, of trying to draw, get every drop of power out of them. But, which is interesting because that is it goes back to my uh, comment about Renault saying to Red Bull, uh, you've got until May to make a decision on what you want to do in 2019 because already Red Bull have been like, well, you know, are we going to get consistency, i.e. are we going to get a power unit that doesn't break down because there's only three, you know, conservative, if you will, or if you're trying to catch Mercedes, who we know revs the hell out of it and have managed to, you know, stay ahead of the game. Um, but in in an effort to try and catch Mercedes, you've got to you've got to push the engine. So yeah. it, it really is quite a con. That is probably the biggest controversial story uh, of this year is that you've got three power units, and I actually think it could it could backfire, uh, to use an expression on on <laughs> on the but on the series because I think you're right. I think we're all fed up with these penalties. Uh, some of them were ridic- ridiculous, especially in McLaren's case last year. But yeah, how, you got know, 60 grid spot penalties and there's only 20 cars in the field, right? Sure. Okay, so I was watching a discussion about this. Okay, there are fewer engines. Yes, people are going to try to make them last longer. But if you've got the performance, as Mercedes did, you saw the penalties really didn't have much of an impact on them from a season standpoint. Yeah, but they went through their engines too. They did. They did. But they still they were still up front. And so uh, the discussion was around... What can be done in that situation, whereas Mercedes was so dominant in it, and they're blowing their motors, how are you going to manage this to the benefit of other teams in their way? And uh, one of the logics was really interesting. What if once you consume your allowance of motors, you get 30 seconds subtracted from each race finish for the remainder for each engine you go over. Is that an idea? So, yeah. So listen to this. I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, that's just ridiculous. But but then it goes, okay, so less consumed all his engines. Next race. Less is more. Everybody's <laughs> trying to do more with less, and I'm getting tired of it. But <laughs> Go ahead. Anyway, so we're, uh, we're going through, and we get to the – Les gets through the next race. He finishes first on his surplus engine. He's gone beyond his allowance. Deduct 30 seconds so from he his went finish more time. Than less, yeah. Yeah, deduct 30 seconds from that. <laughs> Stop it. And that may knock him back to second place. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And okay. so it was really interesting. They were like, to really promote longevity in a way that's going to benefit the other teams rather than, you you know, because grids aren't necessarily doing it. But if you take it away from the finish, 
that uh, I'm not sure if that it would play out any different. It's yeah. an interesting take on it. Yeah. Well, it, it's it is, and I you know anything that says that, that they're not going to try to go faster bothers me. But I know this is a very complex equation. Whether it's trying to keep the money spent down in the sport to all the different angles of this, but but there's some uh, there's some other stories that I want to make make sure we talk about because I mean there, there's two. Big brands, we've talked about them. Aston Martin and Alfa Romeo coming back in. The French yeah. Grand Prix is back. I mean, that's, first a, really, time that's since, a very big yeah, story. it's a huge story. First time since 2008. And, I mean, and you could argue that the French actually invoke, invented motor racing. The first ever race was Paris-Rouen. Uh, so, yeah, uh, French, the French do have kind of a, a little bit of a take on that. Yeah, uh, so it's, it's a huge news. And I expect this year to see some other things from Liberty, like there's been talk of new new on-screen graphics that we are hoping to see. I don't know what that all that is going to entail. I'll look forward to seeing that on Thursday night on, what would they be, March 22nd? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll all be By up. the way, if you haven't, if you've been under a rock, uh, that's March 24th. It's coming quick, folks. Uh, Formula One is on its way. Yep. First so, one's got to be a bit of a late night, though, because it's Australia. Yeah, that's true. That, I don't know. I, I kind of like it because everybody's up and excited, and it's like midnight. It's like a launch of a new movie Brought or something. Brought to you by coffee. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah. I was doing some research today uh, on, uh, you know, looking into the crystal ball, as it were, and I was on GrandPrix.com, which is a very good site for, uh, you know, up-to-date news in Formula One and occasionally a little bit of gossip too. But <laughs> the gossip that, or the, one of the stories was potential new venues for 219 Ooh. included, listen to this. Let me, wait, the United States, what did I, you asked me this question earlier and I guessed... L.A., New York, and Chicago. And, and you were wrong. On all three accounts. Miami. Miami. Miami? Yeah. My goodness. Yes, my goodness, Miami. Uh, Vietnam. Vietnam. Good, Good morning. <laughs> I'll be ready for that one. And uh, the third one, Argentina. Now, that's not uh. a surprise either. It's kind of like France when it, when it comes to you know Argentina. They do have a huge history in uh, Formula One. But um, interesting, and I really do believe that that is a plan that Liberty have spoken about, and I would love to see a street race in Miami. Come on. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. All right, boys, let's move to two wheels because there was a little MotoGP action, unless you were probably on top of this more than oh, any of us. Oh, man. You know, I'm, I'm excited. You know, it's, it's uh, going to be a good year. I'm anxious to see what we do, uh, what we see out of the Ducatis. Uh, although, you know, I will say... Uh, We'll go to uh, Lorenzo and hear what he said about it because, uh, you know, everybody was ready for this Panigale to, to hit big. And so uh, let's hear what Jorge Lorenzo has to say. No, I tried. I tried to make the simulation, but I didn't have enough time because uh, I exited in my last run uh, for about uh, 15 minutes to the end. So I just have uh, seven laps to, to make the, the simulation. Uh, and as I told yesterday, I knew that with good setting, quite good setting, I could do 54 high. I made 54.6, so my predictions were, were right. The problem was that the, the rest uh, improved so much the lap time, so when we improved the lap time, the other ones improved another half a second, so we stay in, in ninth, ninth place. Uh, we have to keep improving more, uh, the feeling with the bike, and, and keep working harder. What about the wet test? Uh, do you think that it's able to race in the night and wet? So the grip is uh, not fantastic. It's, it's quite uh, low uh, during all the all the track, especially with uh, with the rivers of the water. The, the grip is is very is very bad, and especially on the on the straight. The visibility. I just went alone, so I, I could not try with more uh, more riders. Alone was quite well. 
it's, it's going to be difficult that uh, will be a, a rain race, but uh, I don't know. Well, let's see what they decide. All righty, and that comes from MotoGP.com. Really nice coverage of it there. A lot of interviews going on. The uh, the thing that finished it up, though, Dovey wound up in third place by the time they finished the lap times. And so... Uh, yeah, and I'm just looking at Jorge's time compared to Johan Zarco's time. Uh, yeah. You know, there's only, there's only six tenths. I mean, really, it's half a second between those two times. So it's not a lot between first and tenth. It's not drastic. And like I said, this car is, this uh, bike is brand new. And so it, it doesn't concern me yet. And the fact that Dovey's up there, maybe that's what really concerns Jorge. <laughs> yeah, probably. And you keep Johan Zarco. Every yeah. time you hear MotoGP, his name keeps rising back to the top here. Well, and there's an irony here as well. Not only is he a coming man, but he races for the, the Yamaha Tech Three team, who've now chosen to go with KTM next year. So, oh, <laughs> wow, interesting stuff there. So, uh, you know, a couple of different things going on there. We had a uh, a fun time. You know, Jonathan being buddies with Valentino Rossi, so you know, Gee. so he's got to put in, there you go. <laughs> so uh, Valentino Rossi really cleaned up. He wound up second on the Yamaha. Come on, uh, It's really looking good. You know I'm behind <laughs> Valentino this year. Who and is it? So, who is it? Who can't be oh, rooting for come on. We, we, One for the gotta, oldies. I know. Yeah. What is he, 39 this year? I think he's year? like 62 or, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 62 and dog years. Him and Alonso right? are going to form their own team. But, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Valentino, he, he had a good bit to say about it. Let's uh, hear from Valentino Rossi. I love him. He's great, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, like I said, he's happy, as you said. Ah, he's very happy. Uh, but yeah, he's a... It's definitely one of those <laughs> things that, you know, he's feeling good. His times are off, obviously very compatible. Uh, he was honestly only about a tenth of a second ahead of Marquez. And so I... Yeah, that, that it's all just well. noise in that close to me. Yeah, and and again, you know, we said it in the Formula One testing. You know, you you can read a lot into it, and everybody gets excited because everybody wants the season to start. But don't you know? Don't go overboard. Um, it is just a that. It's a test. It's not the race. We'll yep. see. We'll see. I, I'm excited too. I think it's going to be. I think it is going to be a good season in both Formula One and MotoGP. Oh, are you kidding? It's MotoGP, guys. It's the fastest rockets on the planet, and it's going to be exciting. Yeah, badasses. Yeah. I was just yeah. happy to have bikes back on the track again. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and it won't be long before that Circuit of the Americas. I mean, it's, it's hey, what, coming what, up. What is the date for Coda uh, for MotoGP? April. April 22nd. It's always April. 23rd, yeah. April 22nd, 23rd. Yep. That's, uh, in fact, Coda's already got tickets going on for sale. So go Is that on the motorcycle yesterday and saw it on the billboard? Did you really? Yeah. Coda billboards around town? Awesome. You bet. 
All right, boys. Well, we just got about a minute or I'll so left. I'll change that. 21st, 22nd. There yeah, there you go. We just got a little bit of time left. I want to make sure we talk about where all you can hear our content is speedcitybroadcast.com. Also, we're always active on Facebook and Twitter out there and SoundCloud, too. We're putting fresh content up there. You know what we need to do, boys? We need to do a podcast about some of these topics in Formula One right now. Like, yes, we do. Like, I had a bunch oil, of stuff. Yep. I want to talk about the oil. The oil, exactly. I'm seeing all these stories about burning oil in Formula One. I was like, what are we, are we well, going to you're diesel? a Texas boy. That, they all know about burning oil here. <laughs> and how the, and I was researching today the energy content of oil versus gasoline. I was all ready for this, but we didn't have time today. So. Bernie Ecclestone right. says. I can feel the podcast form- coming on. Exactly. Bernie Ecclestone says. F1 should go to electric, 100% electric. Mm, I'm not ready for that. Nah. I'm, I'm a big fan Full of electric, but I'm not quite ready for that. All right, up. boys, thanks, thanks a lot. For, thanks for tuning in, everybody, and check us out on our website, and we'll talk to you next week. Happy trails. Ciao, y'all. What's up? This is Bilko, freestyle motocross rider with the Nitro Circus, and you're all listening to Speed City. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.